Kay Cunningham has been dealing with a lot of foul trouble, putting himself and his team in difficult situations. We'll talk about that in today's podcast, along with Sadiq Bey's continued excellent play. And will we see more of Isaiah Livers in the future? And how can that possibly happen? We'll talk about that all on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. If you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't hit the subscribe button already, I don't know what you're waiting for. Make sure you do that for me. Best way to support the podcast. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And like I told you guys in the cold open, we will be talking about Kay Cunningham's continued issues with avoiding foul trouble and the kind of position it puts himself in, how he can improve this, how he can stay out of this foul trouble, but also just how maybe the coaching staff can help him out, how he hurts the coaching staff and his team, himself, etc. And then also later in the podcast, we'll talk about Sadiq Bey's excellent play and also Isaiah Livers a little bit, who we saw play decent, I, I think pretty good in his second NBA game. Uh, but to join us to talk about all this, we have our friend of the podcast, Hal, joins us again, host of the Busted Header podcast. Hal, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Glad to be back. Absolutely. So I, I have an announcement for all you guys listening to the podcast, and this is a little bit of an announcement for Hal. Uh, you guys won't be hearing much of Bryce anymore. Uh, Bryce is now with the Free Press, and he's on. He has his own podcast uh, going over to the Pistons Pulse, and he can't be joining the Lockdown Pistons podcast as much anymore. So, while that may be sad things to some of you, that may be happy news for Hal, who thinks that he can finally catch up to that, that, that count. That's I'm coming. Name. I got to. I got to do a count now. I got to figure. <laughs> I got to figure out where we stand. <laughs> Fair enough. So. But yeah, Hal, thank you for joining the podcast, man. Only a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, so obviously, like I said, Kay Cunningham has dealt with foul trouble a lot recently over the past few weeks. Um, honestly, it's a kind of a kind of an issue that I feel like has reared its head a few times throughout the entire season. But recently, it's really been bad over like the last was it one, two, three, four, six games, and even going back to uh, the game when he fouled out against Sacramento, even going back to then on January nineteenth, it's just been a bit of an issue for him. Um, I, I talked about it a little bit yesterday, so I'll let you take it first here. Just do you think that he's getting like a tough whistle? Do you think he's taking dumb fouls? Is this some things that he can obviously avoid? Or do you think it also it's just like, man, he's just getting some tough whistles as well? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things to it. First, he's gotta he's gotta be better, right? Like there's there are some of these that are definitely dumb fouls. Um you know, we know that Cade is, is a guy who, who wants to fight, right? He's, he's a guy who's a really tough competitor. And sometimes, you know, you have a guy driving down the lane at you and and you, it's it's hard to not reach, right? It's hard to be disciplined. And there are some of those that he's just not doing well enough. Uh, I think he's getting bad whistles. I mean, uh, uh, the last game against the Hornets, right, was the, the one where he gets the offensive foul for, like, pivoting, uh, which mm-hmm. was ridiculous you know like how do you how do you coach a a kid to not do that like at any level uh you know it's it's the same as like sometimes you get a a charge call or a block call and you're like i don't that's a bad call um so i think there's definitely some of that 
I do think like some of it is also that the Pistons aren't putting him in great positions sometimes. Uh, Corey Joseph, especially, is just like a turnstile sometimes. And when Cade is the low man and in a help position, he's like he reaches. And you know, we said a second ago he's got to not reach. Uh, you know, especially when he's in trouble, but also he's trying to make up for a mistake that a teammate made that they probably should have done better in. So um, I think the better defense you put around him, the, the, you know, the better the results are going to be. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just, you have to learn that the one play you make on defense isn't worth, you know, the, the being sat down, right. Those minutes that they lose the, the change in how you can play when you're playing with foul trouble, like all of that adds up and you just, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep that perspective that those are more important than any single basket. That's just I. I always. Hate I'm not a huge fan of the the take foul and transition because you know, it's a foul, and if you're a you know you're you're a starter, like that's a that's a big deal. And I'm not a huge fan of guys that just like foul dunks. Like, you you didn't you're not going to stop the dunk. Why are you you know just racking up a foul? And it's, it's little things like that where guys just want to compete. They want to, you know, they want to make an impact. But you you gotta you gotta be better than that. You gotta you gotta be a little more disciplined. Uh, you mentioned something earlier in your in your little soliloquy right there that I wanted to get to talk to on today's podcast, and that that is the coaching staff and just overall the team putting him in a better position to maybe help him out here. Um, I tweeted this out yesterday, and no, all of you, this is not me advocating to start Killian Hayes, but I think it's just a simple it's just a simple trade off that you take when you take Killian Hayes out the lineup and you put Corey Joseph in. Killian was taking the tougher tougher uh, off uh, defensive matchups taking some of that defensive pressure off of Cade. And now you're seeing Cade having to check. Uh, it was Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Now you see Terry Rozier let him have a ball. Like he's he's having to take on tougher matchups they didn't have to take with Killian Hayes in the lineup. So now that they're with Corey Joseph in the lineup and it doesn't look like they're going to be putting Killian Hayes, I don't think ever again, back into the starting lineup, uh, at least while Dwayne Casey's the coach. Uh, how are some ways that they could help him if they're going to continue with this lineup? What, what are some things that you think you could do? I, I personally have thought about the fact that they are just so switch heavy. I feel like if they just didn't switch as much, it would definitely help him out a lot more. Uh, he's often getting switched on to bigger guys like Jason Tatum uh, when they were playing against the, the Celtics. Uh, often when you get just switch across the board, he also will get like put on a big guy or something. Or especially when he, he already picks up a foul and a team knows, hey, he's been dealing with foul trouble recently. They immediately just go with a simple screen, and the Pistons are just so easily switched. Like they don't even try to fight over screens. They can just go right at Cade, force Cade to switch under the ball handler. Now they're attacking Cade, and he's being faced with, okay, do I try to play defense here, or do I risking a foul? Uh, do you think possibly going away from being so switch heavy could help him out, or is that like, you know, is that even a realistic thing to expect out of this defense? I know some people out there have already said to me, oh, could the entire NBA switch heavy? Everyone switches. Uh, wh- where do you stand with it? Well, it's how and when you switch that matters, right? It, it's like the the actual fundamentals of how you switch. And the the Pistons have been doing a lot of what you'll hear just like called soft switching a lot, which is basically they switch early in the play before like a screener ever makes contact. Um, and you're seeing a lot now where like guys, um, it looks like like bumper cars. Like, like two defensive players come up, they kind of touch as their, you know, their matchup crosses in front of them. And then the guys, you know, follow the new matchup. 
And the problem is because they're chasing matchup one way and then they're reversing direction and going with the new matchup the other way, they've like just gotten themselves crossed over. Like you're, you're leaning. And the whole point of good defense is to stay in front and stay on balance and be able to react wherever. And so while soft switching gives you this advantage where like, um, I think I think they're doing it because it doesn't require the guys to communicate quite as much. If everyone just assumes you're switching, um, and you know you don't have to worry about the fundamentals of of um, you know just the low man drop back to let the other guy pass in front of him, uh, you know you don't have to think too much. You just hey, our two guys came together. We're part of the you know the where they they have certain guys that are allowed to switch and certain guys that aren't. Um, and one of the problems is that Isaiah Stewart is being allowed to switch and he's a, he's a good switch defender, but like this means that every single time somebody runs up Isaiah Stewart on a screen, they're getting a mismatch, which is not ideal, but because they're doing this, um, everyone's being taken off the dribble now, you know, even Killian who's, who's I think by far the Pistons best on ball perimeter defender is often playing from behind because they're doing the switching thing. And that means, you know, you play from behind. It means you're going to get a lot of fouls because, you know, Killian, I think, got two last night because he blocked someone from behind. But, like, he kept head as part of the process. And, like, the refs don't give you those calls very often. That's the scheme putting putting you in that position. That's not a defensive error. So I do think they need to be a little more deliberate about when they switch. Um, you know, switching um, big to little should just not happen as much. I don't know. I don't know why they're not dropping in, in some of these situations. That's what they did last year. Um, I know Rex Kalamian came in and took over a lot of the defensive structure from, uh, um, I think Sean Sweeney was the assistant in charge of that last year. So maybe he's the guy that's brought this stuff in, but I, I definitely think they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit schematically and it's putting everybody kind of on the back foot. So we'll continue this conversation because I think this is a really interesting conversation. We'll continue to talk about Cade and the whole defensive structure and scheme that's kind of putting players in a disadvantage, especially Cade uh, when it comes to foul trouble. Uh, but first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors. Don't worry, we'll be right back. But first, I have to tell you guys about BetOnline.net. Football season might be over. With my guy, my quarterback, Matthew Stafford, winning the damn Super Bowl in his first season away from the Lions, who would have thought? But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. I'm sure MLB will get on here if they ever, you know, figure out what the hell is going on over there. I don't know what they're doing over there. Uh, but make sure you head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action today. Again, head to the website today, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you guys have not already, head to our YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't hit that subscribe button, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do that. Help us get to 2,000 subscribers. Continue to show Lockdown. We're the best and fastest growing our fan base at the Lockdown Network. I'd really appreciate it. 
Uh, but Hal, I really enjoyed this conversation. So obviously we want to get to Sadiq Bay at a certain point, and I don't want the podcast to run too long. But I think this conversation is a really interesting one because I kind of brought this up after the game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And especially, I think Cleveland, and it honestly made me a real big fan of Cleveland. I want to kind of start watching them a little bit more. Uh, but they know that they have a big front line. They know where their strengths are. They know where in their lineup they're going to be able to get the most out of. And against a team like the Pistons, who are just switching everything across the board, literally the first, like, how many free throws did they? They got, like, 10 free throws in the first, like, seven minutes because every single time the Pistons switched, they they went straight down to the low block and didn't waste any time trying to do anything else. They didn't fool around. They said, okay, you're going to give us this mismatch. We're going to take it time, 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 and time again until you stop. Uh, and it's not just against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like I've mentioned, Jason Tatum kind of did it against the Pistons a lot in their two games against the Boston Celtics. Uh, and overall, like you mentioned, it puts a lot of the defenders in in a sticky situation. It, it really kind of puts them, you know, you know, it, soft switching in some scenarios. I, I it makes sense. Like especially, I think the best scenario, best way, uh, or the 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 best situation to see it happen, in my opinion, is like when there's two guards screening each other, there's two guards saying a down screen. You can just switch between guards. Uh, but if you're like, for example, just real quick, against Charlotte yesterday, or by the time you guys listened to this two days ago, uh, at the end of the game, they were running this like this action with Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball. I don't know if you remember this, how at the end of the game, Miles Bridges would have the ball at the top of the key, LaMelo would clear out to the right wing, and then he would come flying back across the top of the key to get Killian switched onto Miles Bridges. And it's not like a set screen to where guys can properly switch. Miles Bridges are already dribbling right. LaMelo ball sprinting to the left side. So now guys are having to sprint with each other, trying to keep up. And like you said, it has guys off balance. I believe Bridges guy and one, one time on Killian following him. The next time he got blown past them. I believe he scored on that one. Uh, they just kept going to that action over, over and over again in the end of the game because the Pistons just soft switch everything. Now I believe eventually, I think the last time they did it, the Pistons actually, I think I saw Dwayne Casey tell Killian, just fight through it this time. Fight through it and stay with Rozier or Lamelo, whichever one do, do it. And the final time they did keep it with uh, Jeremy Grant staying on uh, Miles Bridges that time. But either way, definitely I feel like the soft switching and the defensive scheme does put team, the, the the players in a little bit of a disadvantage, especially with Kay Cunningham and, and some foul situations. But I do believe as well that Kay is, is playing dumb sometimes with the fouls. Some of these are just bad fouls, reaching when you don't need to be reaching, uh, slapping down on, on guys when they're driving by, uh, you know, w- instead of just putting your hand straight up, going for a block whenever you get switched on to a guy. Like some of these times you just have to take the L. A dude got you. It is what it is. You have to play smart. You have to live to the next possession because the team needs you out there. And, you know, this is the last point I want to make. I'll let you hit on this last point. Then we'll move on to Sadiq Bey that when Cade gets in this foul trouble, it doesn't just hurt the coaching staff because they have to make a decision about, okay, do we take him out or do we leave him in there? Do we trust him? It doesn't just hurt his team because if he does come out the game, now you're at a disadvantage because your best player is not on the floor. But it also puts Cade at a disadvantage because he can't play as aggressive defensively, which is where, you know, he's versatile and you're getting some of the value from him. And like you mentioned earlier, even though I do think the offensive foul was probably bogus, it kind of takes some of his aggressiveness going to the rim away as well because he doesn't want to pick up another one. After he picks up that kind of foul, on the offensive foul, he's like, okay, I probably don't I don't want to do that again. I don't want to get hit with another offensive foul. So it just has him playing timid at all times. So he has to correct it because it's not only hurting his team, the coaching staff is hurting himself as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really just all about, you know, experience, right? It's 
I think there's definitely a part of it that's uh, you know, it's just it's a it's a young guy in his first year with a lot of expectations, and it might be the right play to step aside, but that's not the way we as fans always react to things, right? You see your 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 star player step aside and, and you're on YouTube getting memed because you didn't play defense, right? So I, I think there's just like, it's it's one of those things you just got to reinforce that this is the right play. And I think Cade is the kind of player where he's going to he's gonna respond to that over time. Um, I did want to want to quick get back to the, the switching thing and clarify something because the, the reason we call it soft switching is that you do it whether or not there's contact on the screen. And so if a guy actually hits you with a screen, that's like he's stopping. And so there's like a point where that player is not involved. And that gives you a chance to make your switch without getting burned too badly. When uh, when guys hit us like the with uh, what we would call like a ghost screen, right? Where, where you come up to set the screen, you just brush right by it and you don't actually set the screen. There's no contact there. So you don't get a point where you're slowing down and the Pistons run this stuff too. This is um, we we've seen Cade and Sadiq start running a lot of ghost screen actions together. Um, this has really become a staple in the Pistons offense is the guys that come up to set a screen and they really don't, they don't even stop, right? They just, they just blow right by and you're just getting the defense moving side to side. Um, usually it means that there's the low man and the help defender uh, maybe thought he was defending from the, the left side of the lane and it's now the guy on the right side of the lane that has this tag responsibility. So you're just you're just making the defense make these decisions um, at speed. And if you're soft switching, the ghost screens just ruin you. So you just you have to be um, you have to be specific about which ones you do. And it's the fact that the Pistons are doing it all the time, you know, just unilaterally, that's their base defense. That's the problem. And it's not that you shouldn't do it. Is that you got to do it the correct way, and if they come up and set, um, you know, if they set a, an actual screen where the big man stops and and says, like, okay, you can either switch that if it's a guard guard pick and roll, or you can drop it if it's a guard big pick and roll. You know, you can read that and make decisions. You just don't soft switch everything. Well, I think I think, and this will be the last thing I say on it. I think something you said earlier really says, you know, maybe gives the coaching staff a little bit of a reason to do it. And it's the fact this team is just really young. They probably don't want to make defenses as difficult as possible with all the terminology and Dwayne Casey's come out multiple times and said that they don't, he wishes they talked more. I believe that was like one of the biggest criticisms he had coming out of training camp is that they need yes. to talk more. They need to communicate more. So I'm sure that probably has a lot to do with it, with the fact that, you know, these guys aren't going to talk. They're young. They're probably will mess up a lot defensively. Let's try to keep it as simple as possible for them to switch everything, uh, which that makes sense. But then also it, it does put them in bad situations. So it's a both it's, it's, coaching staff and players but i definitely can understand why the coaching staff may just say that's just the best thing to do right now because these guys aren't ready to really accept any kind of you know take the next yeah. step and then like advance defense whatever so it makes you sense see a lot in college too with yeah with college guys because they don't execute this at the at that level it's it's pretty common there too yeah so hopefully as these guys get older you start to see a little bit more of a you know complex defense taking place and before that even happens, hopefully Cade, Cade just needs to figure out how to cut the dumb fouls out. He's going to pick up fouls, but the dumb ones is what really is, is killing him. The reaching in and all that, that's that's killing him really bad. Um, okay, so we're at 20 minutes. So we'll start the Sadiq Bay topic here, go into the ad break, and they'll come back with Sadiq and then touch on Isaiah Livers at the very end. Um, but Sadiq Bay, pal, 
I think I've, every time I've had you on the podcast, we've talked about Sadiq. And he's just continued to play extremely well for the Pistons. It's now been 35 games. He's shooting 42% from the field, 37% from deep on 8.3 attempts per game. Shooting damn near 88% from the free throw line on 3.7 free throw attempts a game, which is a major increase over the first like 26 games when he was only taking like 1.5 a game. He's averaging 19 points a game, six rebounds a game, and three assists, and only 1.2 turnovers a game. He's just, he's continuing to play extremely, extremely well. Coming off this game against Charlotte, where he had 28 points, 11 of 18 shooting, eight rebounds, multiple of those rebounds coming on the offensive end in clutch situations, doing what he has to do to help the team win. Three of eight from beyond the arc, three of three from the free throw line. He's he's really taking another step. He's playing much smarter. He's just he's he's been excellent. I don't know what else to say about it. Like I was very critical of him before this season, at the beginning of the season, but over the last 35 games, I don't think there's anything else you can describe him as as excellent. He's just been fantastic over these last 35 games, especially against Charlotte, hitting multiple big threes as well, tough threes to keep the game going. Offensive rebound on, I believe, Killian Hayes' missed corner three to tie the game up, and I believe it's the end of fourth quarter. Just excellent play across the board from him. It's fantastic to see from him. Uh, he's really solidifying himself as a legit, legit piece moving forward for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I, I think last time I was on, we talked about trimming the fat, right? He's cutting out a lot of the crap in his game, and he's just he's really defensively. Um, you can really see that he's figured out how to like draw guys into his body so he can get the right angles to start his drives. Uh, his, his confidence in his shots come back. I think he's cleaned up some of his footwork. So that's all really good. And I think, um, I think we're seeing two additional things. I think the first is that he's getting used to like NBA, um, like physicality. And like, I think his, his endurance and his stamina, you know, has just has improved and started to stabilize for him because we're seeing him be physical late into games. Um, that stuff in Charlotte, I mean, just a guy hulking out in the paint, you know, and he's uh, there's a lot of crossover issues with Jeremy Grant. But one of the nice things about having them on the floor together is Sadiq is able to make up for all of, of Grant's weaknesses as a rebounder, et cetera. Right. Suddenly Grant can be around the perimeter. He doesn't have to be near the rim because Sadiq is ready to go in there and, and, you know, muck about and get rebounds and all that stuff. Um, and you, you have to have that if you're going to play a guy like Jeremy. So it's all really good to see. And I think the other thing is um, now that he's producing consistently, I think we're seeing Dwayne Casey draw plays up for him, you know, and, and restructure the offense a little bit more around him. We're seeing them run these horn sets where, um, you know, they run a, couple uh, of different cuts around him and let him go to work from one of the elbows. Um, you know, they're, they're utilizing uh, giving him like structured reads as a passer. This is all stuff that they weren't doing at the beginning of the year. They definitely weren't doing it last year. And it's all because now that he's figured out how to, you know, to, to be a legitimate threat with the ball in his hands and not just off the catch. Uh, he's opening up a lot of options for, for both himself and for the team and for the coaching staff. Uh, offensively yeah he's been absolutely fantastic just just completely excellent and it's been amazing to see we'll talk a little bit about more Sadiq when we come back with it don't worry if you guys are waiting to hear about Isaiah Lewis I know a lot of you guys have just with the new shiny toy every time it comes around you guys have already been commenting sending me tweets about like oh hi how did Isaiah Lewis look do you like Isaiah Lewis blah blah I even have one of you guys tell me I look like Isaiah Lewis I don't get it 
any light skinned dude with a semi big forehead, it's Kuka Hill. It's Kuka Hill. That's that's all it is. It's literally every single person you guys are commenting at me. Clay Thompson. Who was the other one? Uh, Landry Shaman. That one's disrespectful as hell. They call me Landry. It's all right. Shaman. I get every stereotypical white guy comparison possible. It's, so we're it's good. It's just insane. We dude. got it all covered. It's insane, man. It's insane. But we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I have to tell you guys about another one of our sponsors. This one, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and miles, it's now impossible to for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders a part on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and even in your pocket on your phone. You can save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, but only $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselves for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are also reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you could possibly need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find their solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockout.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear Boss box to know that we sent you. Again, go to rockout.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com so I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you have not already, head to our YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't, hit that subscribe button. What are you waiting for? We're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers. Make sure you go ahead and do that. Continue to show Lockdown. We're the fastest and best-growing fan base at the Lockdown Network. I really appreciate it. Uh, but is there anything else you want to talk about with Sadiq Hal real quick before we talk about Isaiah Livers and that whole situation? I, I really just don't have... There's nothing more I can really say about Sadiq. Like, he's just been excellent. It's just been great to see him completely flip his season around. I, I talked about this with Bryce, actually, a few, like, two weeks ago, I think it was on the podcast. I brought up, like, how we've seen guys, like, struggle at the very beginning of the season and just gradually get better and better and better. Then they have, like, a big, like, like pop-off game. And it's like, okay, yep, he this, this kind of, like, capped off a continued progression from him. And the example I used was KCP in his, like, I think it was his rookie season where he was just struggling a lot beginning of the season, got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little better. Then he had that cap off game against OKC where he dropped like, what was it? 38, 39 points in the final game of the season. Everyone was like, Oh, okay. That capped off showed us that he continued to get better. And he ended up leaving on a high note. Sadiq didn't do that. Sadiq was struggling for 26 games and then just instantly just hit a flip switch. And for the last 35 games, it's just been excellent. I don't know if I've seen that happen. In a Pistons uniform, I don't know if – I mean, I'm sure it's probably happened in the NBA, but I haven't seen it happen in a Pistons uniform. If you have any examples of that, you can throw it out there. But just what I've seen from Sadiq this season, I think it's fantastic and obviously makes every Pistons fan feel a little bit better moving forward into the future with him and Kay Cunningham. Yeah, the um, – I'm, I'm trying to think of, of other – examples and i'm i'm not coming up with any i think the the thing right is the benefit of of having a lot of minutes in your sophomore year right and and a lot of minutes in your freshman year and just like we haven't for the past decade or so right the the pistons have been trying to win 
with a team full of vets. And so we haven't seen like Stanley Johnson got minutes, but it wasn't the same kind of minutes, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a go out and experiment and figure things out minutes the way Sadiq got in the first half of this year. It was, Hey, you got to go play this very specific role. And if you can't, we're going to bench you minutes. Um, so we're, we're seeing the benefit of just like guys being able to experiment. And um, I think we saw it with, with Isaiah Stewart, you know, I don't think it was quite as flashy, but I think we're seeing uh, connections made for him. I think we, we might be seeing some of it with Killian in, in certain areas of his game. I know the offense hasn't come around yet, but like we've just seen him drive, you know, in a whole new way, right. That we're, we're seeing these, these, uh, these, these saucy uh, dribble drives that like, this is this is things clicking for guys because they're finally getting you know the minutes have added up, and Sadiq has played more minutes I think than any of those guys, and had by far I think the most opportunities of any of those guys to do, you know things he's comfortable with, and and this is the result. And uh, I think the key thing to to mention is just how consistent this has been. Right, this isn't just a flash every five games. It's been consistent performance, very efficient. Um, you know, he's the, the defense is, is there, uh, you know, we're not just, oh, this is what Sadiq could be in the future anymore, right? It's this is what Sadiq is now, and it's a really good player. Yeah, fantastic. And that's that's all I got to say. I keep saying it, but that, that literally is what it is. He's been excellent, and it, it, I really love to see it, man. It's I don't, I've never seen that happen before with a player, and I'm happy it's happening with Sadiq. Uh, but let's move on now to the final topic, Isaiah Livers. How Isaiah Livers played in just his second NBA game against Charlotte. Uh, he hit two threes. I talked about him a little bit on the podcast yesterday, talking about how willing he was to shoot, how quickly he was willing to shoot. Uh, just as if you gave him any space, he knew that. One of the things I like seeing from him, basically, is that when guys drove and then kicked out to him, it wasn't no hesitant, okay, do I want to drive? Do I want to skip a pass? Like, he knows what he's out there to do. If you drive and kick to me and there's any space, I'm letting this go. I letting this thing fly. It's it's going up. And shot is so. I I think his shot is pretty as hell. I wish my jumper looked that fluid. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, his his jumper just looks so. Fluid. That's saying something because Koo is real proud of that jumper. Oh, I am real proud of that jumper because that jumper. I, you guys don't understand that jumper throughout my entire life looked like this, looked like that right there for like my whole life. And I had to rework that thing for two and a half years after high school and I finally got the good product now. So I am hella, hella proud of it. You're damn straight. But, <laughs> uh, but Isaiah you Livers, see the his, videos he posts. Don't worry. <laughs> Isaiah Livers, his shots fluid. I really like what I saw from him and more so not even just him being able, obviously him being able to hit 50% of his threes in his first, in his second NBA game, but him knowing where to be on these spot up attempts, knowing how to balance out the floor, where to spot up at, where, where to be at at all times. He seemed like he just knew, how to properly space the floor and where he needs to sit at, be ready to for these kickouts. Uh, were you also that impressed by him in his second game, or are people like me and and other people kind of overdoing it and overhyping it a little too much? I so I'm I'm a big Michigan fan, right? So I saw every game he played in a Michigan uniform. So like, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I'm I'm really happy to see him, you know, back healthy. First of all, it, it, I, Isaiah was was one of your like I, nobody disliked Isaiah when he was at Michigan, a good athlete, a guy who did all the little things right and shoots the heck out of the ball is going to be a fan favorite. And he was also known for just being a hard worker, uh, you know, a leader for that Michigan squad. And I think we're, we're seeing, you know, 
uh, th- there's been a, a really good response every time I've seen Isaiah with the other guys, just like he seems to be clicking with this team. And I think what he brings is just like a very consistent, like you, you know exactly what he's going to do. Uh, Livers doesn't put the ball on the floor like ever. <laughs> uh, he's not going to try his first jumper, his first jumper though. He took but, one dribble. Okay. The, the one, one dribble pull up, you know, kind of thing, maybe if he gets closed out hard, but like, you know, the stuff Sadiq Bay was trying at the beginning of this year, he will never try. Like you just know if he's not shooting it, he's passing it. And, you know, maybe if you give him that structured, you know, one dribble pull up off a screen, like he got, you know, he might try that, but there's something to be said for guys that just do what you expect. And, you know, that gives everybody else, it makes the decision-making, you know, simpler for everybody else. It makes, it makes, uh, there's a risk, right. In being too predictable because then the defense knows how to defend you, but there's also a benefit to your teammates just having that stability. And when you're, you're the what 12th man, you know, 11th man or whatever on the team, and you're only going to come in for six minute stretches, four minute stretches here and there, it's really nice to just know what you're going to get out of livers. I, you know, he missed, I think a couple shots, his first game ever he played, he got his first buckets um, against the Hornets there. Like you just, you expect him to be a 40% three point shooter that knows what to do on defense, knows where to rotate communicates. Uh, I think he'll actually really help on that end. He is a, he's a, a good talker on the floor. Um, hopefully that, that is some, some good leadership on the team. Um, yeah, mostly you just got to be happy that a guy has finally helped. He's struggled. All right, so let's let's go ahead and put you on the hot seat a little bit. I gave you a little bit of a softball right there. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and throw like a little bit of a fastball there. Uh, so I really like myself, my Isaiah Livers, and I I'm convinced before they before we even saw him play, obviously in the G League at all, like when they drafted him, I was convinced that this guy, from what I had read about him and what I was told about him, that he was going to be one of these guys. He's not going to be a starter. But he's going to be a consistent role player. Like his, he could be like the seventh and ninth guy off the bench, shoots forty percent from the free uh, three point line, plays fine defense, smart player, does what he's supposed to do, and he's going to be a consistent net positive for you and do the right things on the floor and be able to play like twenty minutes a game uh, off the bench for you and do really well in those kind of minutes for like ten to twelve years. Like one of those guys who just don't he knows his role. He's going to play that play that role. And he's just going to, that's all that's going to be. And he's going to love doing it. So he kind of like just reaffirmed that kind of thing uh, to me in his game against Charlotte. Uh, I like what I saw from him, but obviously this is one game. I'm not going to try overhype over one game. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am saying is it sounds like Dwayne Casey said after the all-star break that he wants to get a look at Isaiah Livers. That's the whole plan. He wants the part of the plan of the second half of the season is to get looks at Isaiah Livers. Troy Reaver, obviously, believed in him and thought he could be something or he wouldn't have drafted him. So he obviously believed in him and they were on, I believe he had just, he had just uh, started playing again in the G league right before the all-star weekend. Right. He had just started playing again. Um, so my question is this with trading for Marvin Bagley, you already kind of, it was like when they trade for Marvin Bagley, I thought, okay, Jeremy Grant's getting moved. Cause they, they're going to make minutes for Marvin Bagley. They want going to start him, Bob, all that stuff. Did they end up doing that? So now it's Marvin Bagley and Jeremy at the four. And now they want to get a look at Isaiah Livers, who looked good in his first game. And guys, it sounds like Troy River obviously believes in him. And Dwayne Casey said a point of emphasis will to get will to get him looks. If you combine that with the fact that I personally believe, I believe a lot of people believe this, 
Jimmy Grant's value was at its absolute highest, absolute highest at the trade deadline. You combine all that together. I'm just confused why you don't move Jeremy then. I, it just, it's like one of those. Obviously, it's not saying, oh, you move Jeremy Grant for Isaiah Livers. Isaiah Livers is better than Jimmy. Like, no, obviously not. But if you just have that like little part about it, like, oh, his trade value is at its highest. He's probably getting moved in the offseason anyways if we don't move him here. And we also want to get look get a good look at Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Livers in the second half of this season, who both play his position. We might as well just move him now. Like, for me, that's just made sense. And, you know, I, I'm, it's more so because I'm struggling to see how, with all the, these guys healthy, how they're exactly going to continue to get Isaiah Livers' minutes and get looks. I don't know whose minutes he's going to be taking. Uh, but just where where do you stand with all that? And then we'll end the podcast. If you don't want if you don't want to have to answer that that kind of hardball, then you can, <laughs> you can give a quick response. We'll just end it right there. Oh look, I you you know my stance, and and I don't know how if I gave it on this pod or not. But I, I thought trading Jeremy was the right move, and I thought it was pretty clearly the right move, and I still do. So this doesn't change anything about that for me. I don't I don't think that you trade Jeremy to open up minutes for Isaiah Livers, etc. I think the 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 benefit to Isaiah is that you know, like he's a very he's a very known commodity, and so, uh, like yeah, you want to see, you know, him on the floor, but you don't need to carve out twenty minutes for Isaiah Livers. He can get six minutes here, he can get seven minutes there, and you know, we say now that everybody's healthy, guys are going to miss time throughout the rest of the season. You know, they may. I don't know if they're going to be as eager to shut Jeremy down because Jeremy missed so much time already with the thumb injury. But like last year, they just sat him, and you know he had some injury that none of us even remember what they called it because it wasn't a real injury, right? They were just sitting him for the tank. So there's going to be minutes like that available. Um, it's going to get crowded anyway when like Frank Jackson comes back, right? There's there's not. You can't play a, a 13, 14 man rotation. So you're going to have to pick and choose. And uh, at the start of the season, I think we saw Dwayne going to be your week, Frank, and it's going to be your week, Hami. And, and he let that kind of settle things. That might just be the case where he says, Hey, Jeremy, uh, you don't have to come with us on this one game road trip. Uh, we'll just play Isaiah instead. Like maybe that happens. I, I don't think you're going to see like Isaiah force his way into the rotation without injuries because I don't think there's a reason to, I don't, I don't think the questions are that hard to answer for him. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You handled, you handled that pretty well. I, I thought that maybe you'd go on a tangent about training Jeremy Grant, but no, no, see, I, I'm looking at the clock. I know you got to get out of here before we all get yelled at. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. No, I, no I, tangents. I, I appreciate you being mindful of that right there. I appreciate it, but I right, will end the podcast off right there. Thank you, Hal, for coming on, man. Always, always appreciate it. It's always a lot of Anytime. fun. Make sure, you, make sure you go let everybody know where they can find you and some of your, your where your podcast is at on Twitter, etc. cetera. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hal Bridius. Uh, you can, I, I'm moving the, uh, the game clip threads I do uh, for most games are now at Hal's vids. Um, just a, a nicer place to keep those. And of course you can find the busted header anywhere you find podcasts. Hopefully tell us if you can. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you again Hal, for real for coming on i really appreciate it. i hope you guys had fun listening hope you guys enjoyed the podcast i want to thank you guys again for making lockdown pistons your first listen of every single day make sure you guys hit that subscribe button at the youtube channel i really appreciate it make sure you guys are making lockdown nba your second listen of every single day lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the nba every monday through friday in less than 30 minutes it's free and available wherever you get your podcast 
Until next time, I believe the Pistons play tomorrow. I don't know who they play on Tuesday or tonight, whenever you listen to this. Uh, they play at 7. I forget who they play. I just checked it early. But enjoy the game tonight. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Until then, peace, everybody. Go Pistons. <laughs>